Welcome to another treatment of the International Sunday School lesson. Today's lesson is entitled, The Scepter Given to Judah. And it's taken from Genesis, the 35th chapter, verses 22 through 26. Genesis 38, verses 24 through 26. And Genesis 49, 10 through 12. And it's for September the 25th, 2022. From Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for the Gospel Mailbox with Donnie Bryson. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may call Donnie at 423-355-3859. Write Donnie at P.O. Box 2446, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37409. Or email him at this email address, preacher at gospelmailbox.org. And now, for today's lesson, here's Donnie Bryson. Now, a little background information. As we all know, Satan had no desire to see Christ born into this world. And so there were several places in the Bible where there was a struggle, and Satan was trying to thwart the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see this in the line of Judah, uh, pretty pronounced, see this struggle occurring. And that's a little bit of what we're talking about in today's lesson. And the focus of today's lesson is on the miracle of the line of Christ coming through the line of Judah. Now, Judah, uh, he had uh, some character flaws. And people, some of the people in his family had some character flaws. But God worked his way around those character flaws to see the line of Judah uh, be pronounced. Okay? And also, too, to, um, I just want to point out then when we start talking about the sons of Jacob, that the grouping that we're going to be talking about today is going to be the grouping by their mothers. Okay? Now, Genesis 35, 22 through 23. Now, the sons of Jacob were 12. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Now, these, of course, are the sons of Leah. And poor Leah, when you read the story of Leah and, Ra and, uh, and Rachel, uh, how Leah was not the wife who was adored and loved, but she was the one who gave birth to Judah. And Judah was the one that the kings all came from. Judah was the one that the Lord Jesus Christ came from. So Leah is, without a doubt, the most important one of those wives, even though she was the one that Jacob uh, cared the least about. And Leah had all kinds of struggles. You know, we know that uh, the Bible refers to her as 
having a dullness or weakness of the eyes. And we don't know exactly what that meant. Uh, possibly uh, she had poor eyesight. It could have even be an offhanded allusion to uh, the fact that her sister was much more prettier than she was. Because we do know that Jacob adored Rachel, but Leah was kind of an afterthought. Leah got, from his perspective, pawned off on him. And that was extremely problematic, you know, when you begin to read it and you think about, how would I feel in that situation, you know, if you were Leah? But Leah struggled on. Uh, you know, she she dealt with the hand she got, and she pressed on, and she gave birth to the line where all the kings came from, with the exception of one, uh, and he didn't do, do very well. That was King Saul. Um, but she gave birth to the line that the kings came from. She gave birth to the uh, one that the Lord Jesus Christ come from. So Leah was extremely important. Genesis 20, excuse me, Genesis 35 and 24. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now, the son, the son of Rachel, Joseph, when you are talking about the tribes, more often than not, they are not referred to as the tribe of Joseph. They are referred to as the tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh. Because if you remember back to the uh, blessing that, uh, that Jacob gave, he designated Ephraim and Manasseh as to be uh, like his own son. So they basically were a tribe in and of themselves. And if you'll notice how that, um, uh, they still ended up with 12 tribes, even though they were, uh, the one of the sons was uh, not really, counted as a tribe with inheritance, which was Levi, uh, but because Ephraim and Manasseh were split up, the, the children of Joseph were split up into Ephraim and Manasseh, that uh, made the uh, total of tribes to be 12, even though Levi was spread out all through the kingdom because the priests were there to minister to the entire uh, family of Israel. Okay? Uh, Genesis 35 and 25. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan and Naphtali. So Dan and Naphtali came from the slave Bilhah, who was Rachel's servant. Now, there's a lot of significance to Bilhah because Reuben, Jacob's firstborn son, went in and defiled her, and that caused him to lose his right of the firstborn for that despicable act that he did. 
I mean, that's just despicable because his, uh, uh, that was two of his brother's mother. And it's just, like I said, it's just despicable. Uh, but it did cause Reuben to lose his right of firstborn uh, because of it. But Bilhi, Bilhi, if you remember now, uh, Rachel was having trouble having children, so she went ahead and gave her handmaid, Bilhi, to uh, Jacob to go into to have children uh, by her. And so that's how Dan and Naphtali uh, came to be. Okay? A Genesis 25 excuse me, Genesis 35 and 26. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born in Padanaram. Now, this was Leah's handmaid, Leah's servant, and she gave her servant uh, to Jacob to father children by because her sister Rachel had done the same thing. And so these were the two sons that were born to uh, Jacob through the servant uh, Zilpah. And that would be Gad and Asher. Now I want to give you a little bit of background information uh, before we jump to the next set of verses. And that is the story of uh, the background to Judah and uh, Tamar. Now, <laughs> Tamar was actually the given to uh, two of Judah's sons. There was Ur that she married first, and Ur uh, committed some kind of sin. He was just, he was, uh, he he got involved in something and God struck him dead. So he died without any children with Tamar. So then Judah gave Onan to Tamar to raise up a child for his brother. And Onan uh, maneuvered around and would not have uh, children with Tamar for his brother. So God struck him dead. And so uh, Judah had another son, and that son was Shelob. And Shelob, uh, Judah promised Shelob to Tamar to give him to Tamar, and so she would be able to raise up or have a son to take care of her and, and to nurture and that kind of thing. And so he sent Tamar back to her father's house with the promise that Shelob would be her husband, which would be his third son. But now Jacob, oh, excuse me, Judah, got really worried because he'd already lost his first two sons over this whole thing. And so he got worried that Shelob 
would end up getting killed too. So <laughs> Judah withholds Shelob. And so time goes on and time goes on and time goes on. So Tamar decides to take matters in her own hands. So what she does is that she hears that Judah is going to go somewhere. So she dresses up as a temple prostitute with her face covered and uh, entices Judah to have sex with her. And so he does. And she says, well, give me a pledge to prove that uh, you owe me money before you leave. And so he leaves uh, some, some very pertinent items with her to prove that he owes her money, thinking that she was nothing more to a, but a temple prostitute and that he would send money back to her a little later. So he leaves. Then he sends his friend back to pay the money and get his items back. Nobody can find her. Nobody can find where she's at. Nobody even knew that there was one la a, a, a prostitute there. So Judah is extremely embarrassed because he, he, he knows that something's up. So, so they leave to keep from being humiliated in public. And so they leave. And then time goes on, and then Judah finds out that his daughter-in-law has come up being pregnant. And so Judah gets this real self-righteous attitude about himself. He's going to set things straight, and he's all upset. And that's where we're at with these verses, okay? Now, Genesis 38 and 24. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, bring her out. Let her be burned. Well, now here he is. He's getting that real self-righteous attitude. She's done wrong. We're going to have to do something about this. Well, <laughs> he was actually in the later law uh, that was formalized, the Mosaic law, that was actually really the penalty for that kind of thing. Leviticus 21 and 9, And the daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by whoring, profanes her father, she shall be burned with fire. So that was the penalty. But now this is a special situation here. And this is going to get Judah very embarrassed. And something that we all need to take into account and all need to remember is that uh, we shouldn't get too self-righteous sometimes. Okay? Genesis 38, 25, and 26 as she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, by the man to whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, 
Please identify whose these are, the signet and the cord and the staff. Then Judah identified them and said, She is more righteous than I, since I did not give her to my son Shelah, and he did, and he did not know her again. So you can imagine how embarrassed Judah was about this situation. Because he had uh, double wrong. He went in and had sex with her. And he also had lied to her, saying he was going to give his that third son to her and had withheld that third son. Okay? Now, this is a very complex story when you think about it. Because what Tamar did was actually wrong, too. What Judah did on multiple levels was wrong. And in a technical sense, him going to bring her out and punish her was actually technically correct. But he also was not the one to be throwing stones. And it brings to mind the story of, of when the woman was caught in adultery. And they were asking Jesus, what should we do? Uh, we've caught this woman in adultery. What are we going to do? What should we do? What should we do? And if you'll remember back, this is basically what Jesus said in John 8, 7, and 9. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. And there's a lot of conjecture, and I happen to agree with some of that conjecture, that Jesus started writing down names of sins on the ground. And especially when the older ones begin to look down at some of the names of those sins, they begin to rem remember their own failings, their own situation. I, you know, I know that the older I get, there are more reasons for me to be uh, forgiving of people and understanding of people as I begin to remember back over the course of my lifetime. All the times that I have messed up, that I have done the wrong thing, that I've said the wrong thing, that I've been in the wrong place, and I've had my own failings. And it makes me understanding of people a lot more remembering all of those failings that I've had. Okay? Okay, now a little background information for this next section of Scripture where we're going to jump up to. This is at the end of Jacob's life. And he's got all of his sons together, and he's giving out a blessing for all of his sons on the latter time of his life. 
And we're going to be focused in on the blessings that he pronounced over Judah. Because remember, Judah is the line where the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be born into, that the Messiah was coming in the line of Judah. And we see from some of the struggle uh, that we've already been talking about in today's lesson, how that Satan had tried to uh, put a stumbling block uh, to keep that line from coming through. Because if you remember back with Onan and Ur, how that the two of them died before they uh, fathered any children with Tamar. And Tamar had to do all of these kind of contortions to be able to get a line to come through for the kings of, of Israel and for the Messiah to come through. Okay? And so we're going to be focused in on the blessings of, for the line of Judah. Genesis 49 and 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's true that all the kings of Israel, with the exception of Saul, came from the tribe of Benjamin. All the kings of Israel came from the line of Judah. But the most important person who came through that line was the Messiah, the Almighty Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace, the Sacrifice, the Lamb of God, came through that line of Judah. Paul said in Romans 15 and 12, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come even, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles and him with the Gentiles hope. And he is our hope. John said in Revelation, Revelation 11 and 15, Then the seventh angel blew the trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Let me tell you something. We serve a Lord God. We serve the Son of God, who is the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and He is above all. He is above all. The line of the tribe of Judah. Okay? Genesis 49, 11, and 12. Binding his foil to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. Now, it's a little hard for our modern contemporary minds to wrap our heads around exactly what this is saying. But basically what it is saying is, is that there is prosperity and that the uh, blessings are all on uh, the uh, lion of the tribe of Judah and that everything's going to be plentiful and everything's going to be beautiful, and things are going to be 
fantastic. And that's basically what that is talking about in very archaic uh, terms and something that people 3,000 years ago would have very easily understood the, the true meaning of that. It's the same way that in our modern times, if you're talking uh, talking about somebody, you would say, well, they're they're ro ro rolling in dough. Uh, they've got green everywhere. And you would know what that meant. And that's the same kind of thing as what this is talking about. It's kind of the equivalent uh, poetical way of saying uh, that everything was pl is plentiful for this person. And that's what, um, that is what, uh, that is what Jacob is saying when he's pronouncing that blessing. Okay? I want to leave us with a couple of concluding thoughts on this one. Okay, first off, People fail. People have stumblings. All of us have had stumblings. I've had stumblings. I'm sure you've had stumblings. The only perfect person who's ever lived on the face of this planet is the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us have messed up. And God has a plan for our life. He has a plan for each of our lives. And God will work around some of our failings. Just because we've had a, a stumble does not mean that God won't see us through and bring something to pass as long as we have the right attitude in our heart. Just like uh, God worked his way through the whole difficulty with uh, Judah, and his sons, and Tamar, how God worked his way through. And there were multiple times that that happened through that entire line. If you work your way all the way from, um, from Adam and Eve all the way through the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will see several places where things were... Uh, got a little sketchy, but God worked his way through it. Okay? And the other thing, too, that I want us to, each one of us to remember and to think about is how that God, God will execute his plan. We just need to have our faith and confidence in him. Okay? Well, friends, good Lord willing, I'll be back with you next weekend.